Thank you for downloading the weekly sermon from Trinity Reformed Church in Bloomington, Indiana. To find more great content, please check out our website at trinityreformed.org. Enjoy the sermon. Good morning. My name's Stephen Baker. I'm one of the pastors here. If I haven't met you yet, um, I hope to later. So we are preaching through the book of Acts. And last week, Pastor Carell preached from chapter 3. And chapter 3 sets up what happens this week in chapter 4, right? And what happened last week in chapter 3 was that if you remember, Peter and John were walking in the temple and there was a man there who had been set out by his friends so that he could beg alms because he had been born lame, could not walk, could not stand. And Peter and John don't have money, but they have the power of God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they say, stand up and walk. And he stands up and he walks, right? But he doesn't just walk. He doesn't just stand up. What does he do? Do you remember? Jumping and leaping and praising God, right? He can't be quiet. He can't sit still. And so naturally, a crowd gathers, and also naturally, <laughs> the apostles preach to them. That's what they always do, right? Uh, but not naturally, supernaturally. And so <clears throat> that brings us to chapter four. So open up your Bibles or follow along on the screen. <clears throat> As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem, and Annas the high priest was there, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of high priestly descent. When they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, by what power or in what name have you done this? <clears throat> then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and, and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed. 
and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. But when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another saying, what shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. But so that it will not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. When they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them on account of the people because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. For the man was more than 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. When they had been released, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, O oh Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. For there was not a needy person among them, for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet. And they would be distributed to each as any had need. Now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. This is the word of the Lord. <clears throat> so, this is what always happens when God's people dare to bring God's word out into the public. This is what always happens. It always goes this way. This should never surprise us. 
This is the kind of thing that always happens. When people have the faith and the boldness to step out of the walls of the church and deliver the word in public. Remember, God's word is a fire that burns. God's word is a hammer that crushes. God's word is a sword, a sharp sword that pierces down to the depths of our hearts. God's word is not some little fairy tale. It's not a myth. It's not a fiction. It's not an opinion piece in a newspaper. It's not a meme. God's word has divine power for tearing down strongholds. And so when God's people in the power of the Holy Spirit bring God's word out of the cloister of the church into enemy territory in the world, of course there's heat, there's sparks, there's battle. This is what happens. We should never think that some strange thing has happened when we dare to speak the word in public and we get attacked for it. This is not strange. This is exactly what we should anticipate and expect because the word of God is powerful. Now, let's walk through this passage, this whole chapter, we're going to walk through it paragraph by paragraph and see what we can learn from this. Look at verse 1. It says, as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it's already evening. But many of those who had heard the message, believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. All right, so here you have it, right? God's word is brought out into the public. Remember what just happened? Again, chapter three, they healed the lame man. He starts leaping and jumping, praising God. People gather around. The apostles always use that as they should, as, as a, an occasion, an excuse, an audience to preach the word of God to them. And they preach the word of God to them. You, he, he says, you are wicked men. You rejected Jesus Christ. He was the prophet that God promised would come. And you rejected him. The prophet, the Messiah, the Savior, whom God sent to bless you by turning every one of you away from your wicked ways. That's his sermon, right? You must repent and believe in him. Now what happened when he preached this to them? Well, there's two responses. <laughs> so all the normal people, all right? The normal people who are just there in the crowd, they, have, they, they saw, they, they knew that guy the lame man, they knew that he had been healed. They saw him jumping around and praising God and all of that. And they're amazed and they come and they hear the preaching and they put two and two together. They see what's going on here. These men, 
by the power of Jesus, not because they're something great, but by by the power of Jesus, healed this man, and now they're preaching that we need to repent. And so what do they do? Well, a great big number of them do exactly that. They believe. Look at verse four. Many of those who had heard the message believed. Many of them. We're not talking about like 12 or 20. You see what it says? The number of the men, the believing men. Now this is the word men. This word men is the word for males. Men who are males. That's the word. There's different words in Greek. This means not just like mankind, men and women together. This is the word for men. And it says the number of just the men came to be about 5,000. Remember there were 3,000 men and women, it says in Acts 2, who came to faith. And now it says if you just count the men, now we're up to 5,000 men. So this is an amazing response. (laughs) These are the normal people. These are the normies, you know? The people who who got eyeballs in their head, they see this man was lame. Now he's jumping and leaping and praising God. They say it's because of Jesus. They say that we need to repent. And Jesus is full of power and mercy for even sinners like us. So they they repent and they believe. Now this is an amazing work of the word of God through the power of the spirit of God, right? Well, but it's not just them listening. You've got the normal people, then you've got the important people. <laughs> right? It says the, the priests. These are just all, you know, the people who run the temple, right? The priests and the captain of the guard, captain of the temple guard. This is like the guy just under the high priest. It's his job to manage everything, to like, Make sure there's nothing crazy going on, you know, to make sure everything's doing what they're supposed to do. The captain of the temple guard, the very high official in the temple, and who else? The Sadducees. The Sadducees were one of the the sects, one of the little groups of the Jews, especially the Jewish leaders and the Jewish teachers and the Jewish scholars, right? These are the VIPs. These are actually, the Sadducees are the, the liberals. They deny the afterlife. They deny the supernatural. They deny the resurrection. How, why bother? <laughs> why in the world are they still involved with the temple and all that stuff? If you deny the resurrection, you deny the supernatural, you desire the, deny the life to come, what are they there for? Well, you know that there are churches filled with them today, right? Deny the, the Bible is the word of God, deny the reality of sin, deny that we need to be born again, deny hell, deny heaven, deny the resurrection, of course, that's just a fairy tale. It's a nice little myth to make us aspire to greater things or whatever. Our churches are filled with the Sadducees. They are the liberals. So you get all these important people, right? Priests, the captain, the Sadducees, 
And it says, they are greatly disturbed. (laughs) Greatly annoyed. They are all worked up inside. You know, hey, now hold on a minute. Enough is enough. This has to stop. And they, the idea of the words here is they, they kind of rush in and put an end to this. This has to stop. You people are crazy. You actually believe this stuff? You're crazy, right? What do they do? They rush in, and it says they laid hands on them. Okay, they're not ordaining them. That's not what it means, you know? So, and they're not doing this. They're not like, uh, excuse me, Um, sir, would you mind, um, would would you mind, you know, uh, can, can we step outside for just a minute? You know, they're not asking politely. They lay hands on them. There's violence. There's force. They force them to stop. They shut them down. They shuttle them off. They haul them off, and they take them where? They take them to jail. They throw them in the jail because, you know, it's late. (laughs) We don't have time for this. We'll get back to this in the morning. You guys just chill out in the jail, right? That's what they do. They put them into jail. So you've got the normal people. They hear, they see, they're amazed, they repent, they believe. You've got the muckety-mucks who are like, this has got to stop, stop. And they force them and they take them and they put them into jail. And yet, nevertheless, again, the number of those who believe came to be about 5,000 men, just the men. What happens next? Verse five. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem, and Annas the high priest was there, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of high priestly descent. All right, these are the muckety-mucks. These are the VIPs. These are the very important people, right? These are the upper leaders. This is the Jewish high council. It's called the Sanhedrin. And it's not just a few men, there's 70 of them. That's how many were on this council, 70 plus the high priest, so 71. And notice who's here. Look at the names. There's two names in particular that that should jump out to us. Annas and Caiaphas. Who were Annas and Caiaphas? It's the high priest, right? These are the men who presided over the sham court that just weeks ago, right, just weeks earlier, had condemned Jesus to death and handed him over to the the Romans to crucify. So these are literally, literally the men who crucified Jesus. This is literally the court, quote unquote, that sat in judgment on the Son of God.
So they gathered them together. It says, when they had placed them in the center, because they sit in a big circle, you get 70 men, 71 men sitting in a circle. Okay, guys, you know, they put them right in the middle. All eyes are on them. It's Peter and John, and the man who had been healed, okay, standing right there. When they had placed them in the center, it says, they began to inquire by what power or in what name have you done this? Now, what is the this? What's the this? By what power or what name have you done this? What is this? <laughs> well, they had healed a man who was lame from his mother's womb. That's what the this is. This is what they're guilty of. All right? This is, a, that's it. Who gave you the, the authority and the power to heal that man? Shame on you. No good deed goes unpunished, right? This is literally why they're standing in, on trial. They had the audacity to, to heal a man who was lame from his mother's womb. What does Peter say? What is, what is Peter supposed to say at this point? He's standing in the, in the middle of 71 men being accused of some kind of great crime, right? Guilty as charged, your honor. <laughs> and he's supposed to make a defense, but he doesn't make a defense. What does he do? He goes on the attack. Big time. Look at what he says. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man, as to how this man this man, he's standing there, okay? Exhibit A, man born lame. But what is he doing? He's standing there. He's not sitting. He didn't carry, get carried. He walked there. The, here, the, all the evidence, right? This man is standing here. He says, Rulers and elders, if we're on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, okay, that's the charge, all right, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, right, Annas, Caiaphas, all of you men, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone, Jesus, he is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else 
For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. He's on the attack. Now again, this is exactly what Jesus said we should expect. This is exactly the scenario that he told the apostles in particular to expect. In Luke 21, Jesus says this, but before all these things, they will lay their hands on you, it's what they did, they laid their hands on them, and will persecute you, delivering you to the synagogues and, and prisons, bringing you before kings and governors for my name's sake. Then <laughs> he says this, you know, so don't be surprised, that's what's gonna happen. Then he says this, it will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. <laughs> this is the perfect opportunity, isn't it? Captive audience, they think, They've got you right where they want you, but no, you've got them right where you want them. <laughs> right? Here we are. I'm going to talk to you now. Right? And he says this, Jesus says, so make up your minds not to prepare beforehand to defend yourselves, for I will give you utterance and wisdom which none of your opponents will be able to resist or refute. It's exactly what's going to happen. So, this is just what Jesus said would happen. And then he rubs their nose in the fact that they're on trial for healing a man. <laughs> Amazing. Now, who is this Jesus Christ the Nazarene? Who is this Jesus Christ the Nazarene? That was the question, by what name or, or authority do you do this? And he says, it's by Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Well, who is this? Well, Peter does what the apostles always do, right? He goes back and he pulls out the Bible. He pulls out the Hebrew scriptures. He quotes them. And particularly what he's quoting is Psalm 118. The stone which the builders rejected, Jesus, this Jesus, is the stone which the builders rejected and he has become the chief cornerstone. Our Lord Jesus quotes this same psalm to the same people about himself. Open your Bible, if you've got it, go to Matthew 21. I'm gonna read a parable to you that Jesus gave this is Matthew 21, starting in verse 33. And it tells us who he's talking to. He's talking to the Pharisees and the scribes, all these same crowd, right? All the leaders. And he gives them a parable, verse 33. He says, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard and put a wall around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and rented it out to vine growers and went on a journey. When the harvest time approached, he sent his slaves to the vine growers to receive his produce. And the vine growers took his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Again, he sent another group of slaves larger than the first, and they did the same thing to them. But afterward, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. 
But when the vine growers saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. And they took him, they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to these vine growers? We ask, he gives the parable, he asks the people, what do you think he's going to do to these guys? And the people listening say, he will bring those wretches to a wretched end and will rent out the vineyard to other vine growers who will pay him the proceeds at the proper seasons. All right, this helps us to understand exactly what's going on in the book of Acts from the Jews. Who is he talking to? He's talking to the Jews and their leaders. And all of this, uh, what does he say next? Verse 42, Jesus said to them, did you not ever read in the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord and it is marvelous in our eyes. And therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing the fruit of it. And he who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. The vineyard is the nation of Israel, God's people, and God keeps sending prophets to them, and they reject them, they stone them, they cast them out. God finally sends his son, Jesus, to them, and what do they do? They kill him, right? They reject him. Now, here's how it ends. When the chief priests, that's Annas and Caiaphas, and the Pharisees heard his parables, they understood that he was speaking about them. Oh. And when they sought to seize him, they feared the people because they considered him to be a prophet. Now put this all together. <laughs> Peter and John standing in the same court, right? with the same chief priests that Jesus had given this parable to. And they quote him. They quote him. They quote him quoting Psalm 118. You guys rejected, you know who Jesus is. You rejected him. He was the choice cornerstone and you cast him off. This explains a whole lot about the book of Acts. And so this is where Peter and John and the other apostles get this stuff. They don't just pull it out of thin air. They know they are the, the disciples of their master. They have been taught the scriptures and they know how to use them. It's also where they get their boldness, as we'll see in just a second. Now note one more thing here at the end of this. Look at what happens. Look at what they say. Peter says, Verse 12, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. He is claiming for Jesus Christ absolute 
universal exclusivity, right? Absolute universal exclusivity. If you wanna be saved from the wrath of God, whom you have offended by your sin, there is only one answer for you, there is only one hope for you. Jesus himself said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. The Apostle Paul says there is one God and one mediator between man and God, the man Christ Jesus. Absolute universal exclusivity. There is no other way to be right with God. None. Zero. If, if you actually believed that, brothers and sisters, if you actually believed that, I mean really believed it, what do you do? What do you do? I think Pastor Killingsworth mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Somebody did. Remember the, uh, the pen and Teller guy? The, uh, the, the magicians? Do you guys know who I'm talking about? And one of them said, he's a c- complete unbeliever, atheist. But you know what he said? He said, if you really believed, I have, he said, I have zero respect for any so-called Christian who refuses to evangelize me. Zero respect. If you honestly believe that I'm going to hell and that the only answer for me, my only hope is to believe in Jesus Christ and you honestly believe that, right? But you're not gonna tell me and I'm supposed to have respect for you? You clearly don't believe anything that you say you believe or you hate me. That's what he said. He's right. He's right. This kind of confidence or this kind of certainty breeds confidence, doesn't it? Well, let's see what happens next. Verse 13. Now, as they observed the, surprise, surprise, the confidence, right, of Peter and John, and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. <laughs> Just think about this. What are they seeing? They're seeing confidence, all right? Now, this is not brashness. This is not um, anger. This is not like um, boastful pride, you know, that kind of confidence. This word means freedom of speech. It means the words came easy and they were clear. <laughs> they, were, they were spoken with complete forthrightness. There was no hedging. Do you, see the, do you see Peter hedging here? There might be other options, but you know, for us, we believe that, you know, Jesus, maybe you should consider No, they're confident. They're bold. It is a joyful ease of 
speech that comes from certainty. So you see this confidence. But wait a minute, this is Peter and John. These are fishermen. These men probably stink. These men are poor. What, what do they say? They, they, they see that these men are uneducated. What does that mean? It means they didn't go to the rabbi schools. They didn't get the rabbi card, right? They didn't get the degree. They shouldn't be able to stand here and talk to us like that. They're uneducated. And they're untrained. <laughs> what this word actually is, is idiots. It is the word idiot. It doesn't quite mean what we mean by it today. It means they're just like normal men. They're just normal blue-collar workers. Of course, that's what some people think idiots are. They're just untrained, ordinary men, okay? So ah, there's this cognitive dissonance here, right? How can it be that these guys, you know, these guys are preaching and speaking to us with like this? How does this make sense? Well, oh, oh yeah, okay, this is starting to make sense. These men have been with Jesus. Ah, now it makes sense. How did they know that they had been with Jesus? Well, it's easy. It's their, their confidence. Their confidence gave them away. Their, their boldness, their certainty gave them away. They are disciples of their master, Jesus. And the funny thing is, these same crowd, the people, the Jews, said exactly the same thing about Jesus. In John 7, it says this, the Jews then were astonished, saying, how is this man, Jesus, how has this man become learned, having never become educated? He didn't go to our schools. He doesn't have the degree. How can he be doing this? How does he know so much about the Bible, the scriptures? Right? He, he, he was outside our system. They're disciples of their master. And what happens next? And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. What do you say? What do you say at that point? Right? There's nothing to say. But when they had ordered them to leave the council, executive session, please leave, they began to confer with one another saying, what are we gonna do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, we cannot deny it, but so that it will not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. Yeah, that's gonna work. Let's just warn them. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, 
whether it's right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, judges, you be the judge. These men are supposed to be the officers of God. These are, these are offices that God ordained, the priests, right? They are supposed to protect the people, they're supposed to teach the people, they're supposed to lead the people to God. And here they are saying, uh, no, our word trumps God's. What they should have done at this moment is fall on their faces, right? <laughs> and said to Peter and John, Peter and John, you're right. Here, take my, take my seat and teach us. But instead, they find themselves the enemies of God. Whether it's right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For why? We cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. We cannot stop speaking. You can threaten us. You can warn us. You can command us. You can cancel us. We cannot stop speaking. We will not stop. We can't. It's just impossible. Now, brothers and sisters, think about what's going on here. We, these men have had hands laid on them, dragged in front of the court, violently put in jail, all this stuff. When's the last time you had hands laid on you? Anybody? Dragged to jail for speaking the truth? Anyone? Anybody? No? And yet we censor ourselves. We command ourselves to shut up. And we say, yes, sir. <laughs> we say, is it right for me to obey myself other than God? Yes, as a matter of fact, it is. Okay? It says, when they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them on account of the people, because they were all glorifying God for what had happened, for the man was more than 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. So here's a question for us. Have you been with Jesus? Have you been with Jesus? Do you know him? Are you his disciple? Is he your master? Are you learning from him? Are you his follower? Are you like him? Are you bold? Do you have confidence and certainty? Well, yeah, but you know, Peter, that's just what Peter was like. Peter was one of those weirdo types, those extroverts, right? And he just, I mean, come on, this just came naturally for Peter. Really? This came naturally for Peter. So you remember just a few weeks earlier, what did Peter do? Peter was reduced to a stammering, swearing uh, turncoat because of the great threat of a servant girl. Right? 
So that's Peter. That's the real Peter. This is not Peter natural. This is Peter supernatural. Now he is confident. He is bold. Why? Because he had been with Jesus. And he had been filled with the Holy Spirit. You and I have access to the same Jesus and to the same Holy Spirit. Well, let's see what happens next. Verse 23, when they had been released, they went to their own companions. They seek out fellowship and the strength that comes from it, right? And reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, what do they do? They pray. They lifted their voices to God with one accord. They're all together in this. We're gonna pray. And they said, oh Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of our father David, your servant said, why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Think about this prayer. What are they doing? The majority of the words here <laughs> have nothing to do with asking for anything. Have you, did you notice this? They're, they're telling God who God is. They're reminding God what God said and they're reminding God what he did. Oh, how silly. No, it's not silly at all. This is how people always pray. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, this is how God's people pray. This is how we should pray. You're calling God to honor himself and you're encouraging yourself in the meantime, right? Look at the basis of this prayer. Oh Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. You have all power. And you have spoken, you've, you've promised in Psalm 2 that Jesus Christ, your son, would inherit all the nations. That he would rule with a rod of iron over all the nations. And that all the kings of the earth had better kiss the son. We just sung this, right? They had better kiss the son They'd better repent and believe. This is what God has promised. You've spoken and you're in control. The rulers of the nations can do nothing apart from your hand. The wickedest thing ever done in the history of the world, the murder of the Son of God, 
Did that slip through God's fingers? Was he asleep at the switch? No. It was all exactly what your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. You, Lord, have all power. You have spoken. You are in control. And we cry out to you, Lord. We cry out to you. Now, what do they actually ask for? Two things. Verse 29. Take note of their threats. Take note of their threats. Lord, you, you heard them. You know what they're trying to do. You see what they say. You know the slander. You know their lies. Just take note. <laughs> and you know what God says? Duly noted. But look at their calm. Just take note of their threats. These, these men and women know God. Second request, make us speak with boldness. Make all of us speak with boldness. This is all of them praying. They don't say, make them speak with boldness. You know? <laughs> Meaning the pastors. Make us speak with boldness. They're all praying together, and this is what they're praying for themselves. Lord, grant Grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence. This boldness is a gift of God. Grant it. Give it to us. What are they not praying for? They're not praying for comfort. They're not praying that all this would just go away. They pray for, for boldness to speak. Now, does God answer their prayer. Oh yes. After they had prayed, the place where they were gathered was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they all spoke the word of God with boldness. Now, what else happens? Well, look at the end real quick. Verse 32. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. We, I was, in the first service, we did the math. Okay? So the, the number of the males came to be 5,000, right? That's what it said. You know that all of these men are what? Hmm? They're married. Of course they're married, <laughs> right? Um, there are no big singles clubs, you know. These men are married, and they have wives. So that gets us up to 10,000. And they all have 2.1 children. <laughs> you think? Someone said, okay, we're dealing with like 30,000 people here. 
That was Keith Lamont. I trust his math. I didn't do the math. Keith Lamont did the math. <laughs> 30,000 people. What? What a church. But what does it say? They, all of them, were of one heart and soul. And not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And abundant grace was upon them all, for there was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet. Just, just take it. Just take it. Do whatever you want with it. And they would be distributed to each as any had need. This great unity, great generosity, powerful testimony of the resurrection of Jesus is what the apostles always talk about. Abundant grace. Everybody's getting along and everybody's sharing everything, right? Where does that come from? This is exactly what the progressives want. Right? Everyone to get along and everybody to share everything. But the, the progressives only have one way of getting it. Extreme external constraint. Guns, laws, forms. Nobody's filling out the forms here and, and working through the, the bureaucracy. This is just what happens when the Holy Spirit comes with power. There's one little thing at the end about Joseph or Barnabas, and you guys will get that next week when we get into chapter five. It really just sets up what comes next, all right? Now, here are the lessons for us, and I'm done. Let me exhort you. Don't be surprised when the world hates you. Do not be surprised when the world hates you. We still feel all offended and hurt when the world hates us, as if some amazing thing has happened. Some awful thing has happened. They said bad things about us on Facebook. Well, of course they did. <laughs> of course they did. John the Apostle says in 1 John, his letter, do not be surprised, brethren, when the world hates you. Okay. John, uh, Jesus says in John 15, 18, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. Why are we surprised? Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? What your master says is, don't be surprised. They hate, if they hate the master, of course they'll hate the disciple. If they call the head of the household king of the demons, what do you think they're gonna call you, the servants? Don't be surprised. Don't get offended by it. Don't take it personally. You know what I'm saying? Carry on. And my second exhortation is that ask, we need to ask God to send his Holy Spirit so that we can be bold, confident, and joyfully forthright 
Because that's the only way it comes. It comes through the Holy Spirit. And we ask God to send us the Holy Spirit for this. And speaking of asking, speaking of prayer, let's learn to pray like the apostles did. Let's learn to pray like the apostles did. Not this mumbling, hedging, you know what I'm saying? Reluctant, unbelieving, maybe if it's possibly perchance, Please. That's not how the apostles prayed. We need to remember God's power, the mighty maker of all things. We need to remember his promises. Jesus Christ, Christ will rule the nations. Why, why do we forget this? Remember his providence. Nothing is outside of his hands. And so we pray. You put that all together with prayer, amazing things happen. Ask for God to hear the threats and the lies of the enemy. Ask for boldness to speak his word in public to the glory of his great name. Go ahead, ask. What will happen when you do? It'll get really hard. It'll get really hard. And many people will come. Right? That's what happens. So let's pray. Father, you are God, maker of heaven and earth and everything in them. You have spoken the truth. You are the mighty master of everything. Would you please, Lord, come and make us bold. Give us your Holy Spirit. Forgive our weakness. You have to... You have to give us this because it does not come naturally to any of us. Would you please make us bold to speak the truth? We pray in Jesus' name, amen.